Yeah, I got I got a uh, high knees on that third down. We got one of those. I think I think uh, well the guys are playing Uno. I think we, we we all have to God first. You know we wouldn't be here without them. And uh, we have an amazing group of guys. You know every every week, every Friday, every every Monday, Wednesday we kind of get together a lot of times and just pray in the morning. I thought our defense was spectacular. As the defense went out there, said go make a play, get, get get another one for us. And sure enough, they did. So long season left. I played a lot of ball, been a lot of games, and. You know, every time you want to climb a mountain doesn't mean you won't fall a little bit. Wouldn't be here if I could handle the pressure, you know? You know, and and in the day I also know who I am. You know, God's given me an amazing ability to, to keep going and keep playing and keep doing what I love to do every day. And uh, at the end of the day, I ain't gonna blink. Enjoy that flight. Yo, Broncos country. Let's ride, baby. You just crushed my dreams. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that Phil? Boom. Sadness. That's the one. <laughs> God, he's a dork. That's right, baby. Oh. Does anybody actually like him? I don't know. The TV, the TV anchor started to laugh. I think. I think. She did you did laugh. you look at the video? Whatever. She's like, enjoy your flight. He's like, ride, Broncos country, ride. And she's her face looked like, dear God. Like, oh my God, please stop. I don't. I mean, they get paid money, they're professionals, but I don't know how you're an actual teammate of Russell Wilson when he's not any good. Like, when he's good, sure, whatever, we'll put up with your right. whatever you're doing over your there. Your weirdness. But, man, you're doing high knees on a plane to London for four That's hours. That's right, baby. Probably, and he probably says that under his breath the entire time. Yeah, as he's lifting his knees yeah. up. Not even under his breath. He's yelling at people. He's like, hey, Judy, wake, wake up. Come on, guys. Why isn't anyone else doing this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, 9-6. Look how hard I'm knees. working. 9-6. <laughs> I don't know you. I still don't know your name. Yell runner pass, 9-6. Let him know. Yell or pass. I told the defense to go out there and make a play, and they did. All right. Good God. Should the Raiders do anything at the trade deadline today? Yes. What should they do? Oh, wait, I had to actually uh, trade ca- <laughs> trade car to Carolina? Why would the Panthers do that? Their kicker st- lost in the game, not P.J. Walker. Hey, I'm just saying, they're still uh, they're still alive in the division. Got a better shot? Would you rather have Derek Carr or P.J. Walker? I mean, that's, be, that's not a legitimate question, but the way they played on Sunday, it is a legitimate question. At this point, at, just for the change of pace, just for the, like, I have something different to watch. No, no, if you're Carolina. Oh, I mean, you're still alive in the division. Um, I don't think they should be sellers. What are they doing? They trying well, to make the playoffs? I mean, again, it all goes back to value, and, and what are you going to get for these guys? That's the other thing. Like, he put John Abram, and supposedly people have been calling on John Abram, but what have they been calling with? Right. The team is 2-5. and five. If you believe they can make a run to the playoffs, then they shouldn't sell anybody hell they should probably be a buyer at the trade deadline but i don't believe they're making a run to the playoffs right i I don't i don't believe that's happening they're two and five even though the afc hasn't been that good there's still seven teams that are over 500 right now so i don't believe they're going to the playoffs which means to me if i'm dave ziggler any player that i don't plan on having on the roster next season is available for trade available until you find out what they want they'll get back right if I um, if I if I'm in the front office and I let's de- say John Abram seventh round pick. If I've decided I'm not making the playoffs, I'd yes. rather have a seventh round pick. Yeah, I would too. Now, if I think I can still make the playoffs, absolutely not. But if right. I make the decision, which if I was in the front office, that would be my thought process. We're not making the playoffs this year. 
I, I trade Jonathan Abram for whatever I could get for him, right? Same with Cleon Furl. Anybody who's not going to be on the roster next year. Now, if you're like, hey, uh, we can re-sign Cleon Furl in the offseason for whatever, then okay, you don't trade him and you keep him around because you want him as your third pass rusher or whatever role you see him as. The interesting one to me that I would do if I was in the front office. I know who you're going to say. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. I'm trading Josh Jacobs. If anybody gives me a fourth round pick or higher, he's gone. Because I don't think this front office plans to bring him back next year. Maybe his play has changed their mind. Maybe. But they didn't pick up his fifth year option. So they aren't exactly excited about him next season as a Raider. So I don't think he's coming back next year. He has had an unbelievable season start to the season, right? Running backs don't typically carry a lot of value. McCaffrey got traded for a lot of picks, but that's a massive outlier, right? You're not going to get a great pick in return for Jacobs. But if somebody came along, somebody called me and said, I've got a third round pick for Josh Jacobs, trade's done. I'm trading him for a third round pick because I don't think this team's going to the playoffs. I don't think Josh Jacobs is on my roster next year. Whoever that third round pick is, as long as I don't blow it, is on the roster next year if I'm in the front office. And he's the player that you could potentially actually trade that could have some value right now. Because that's the other thing. If you go through their roster, who has value, who has on value right now? Yeah, isn't that sad? All those first round picks, all those extra picks they got, we, they, we don't have any surefire stars. Yeah, like <laughs> you're not trading... Devontae Adams, right? Like, I think they're, I think the contract situation, they'd be still paying dead cap money if they traded him, right? You're not trading Colton Miller. You're not trading Max Crosby, right? Like, those are like the best players on the team. You're trading that, Hunter Renfro? Uh, if someone called him. Right. Yeah. He hasn't yeah. been very productive so right. far this year. Hell, Mac Hollins is better than him, right? Not that they don't play, it obviously, one's outside and one yeah, slot. Yeah, one's inside, one slot. But like, Mac Hollins is better than Hunter Renfro at the moment. So, yeah, if somebody called and offered me a good pick, I'd, it's probably trade Hunter Renfro, but I don't know that anybody is, right? I mean, you're not calling up the Raiders and asking for Renfro right now, are you? No. So it's just like if you went through the roster, who has value at the trade deadline? There's not many guys that provide value at the trade deadline for other teams that it's on this roster. Jacobs is kind of the only one that you might get something back for. Because I, I think you're completely right with Jonathan Abram and Cleveland Furl. Nobody's calling and offering a fourth-round pick. No. Right, you're talking about a sixth or a sixth seventh, or seventh round pick, or even that stupid. Hey, you give us a sixth, and we'll send you a seventh yeah. with Jonathan Abram. That stuff. So that's what they did with Jonathan Hankins. So maybe there's a few guys that that have some value in that regard that you can get a sixth or a seventh or swap sixth and sevenths. But I just, I don't think there's anybody out there with significant value other than too many injuries for Darren Jacobs. Waller. Yeah. And I mean, how could you trust Darren Waller at this point? Right. If you're trading for Waller, you're basically trading for a wide receiver that plays tight end who hasn't been on the field very much. Yeah, who's got these hamstring issues. Like, the up, the upside's there, right? If if Waller comes back and is healthy, he's really good. But until we see that, it's not actually going to be there. So Raiders should be sellers. I just don't think they have much to sell yeah. at the trade <laughs> deadline. So I think it'll be a relatively boring. I don't know if they'll be buyers either, though. They shouldn't be. Like, if you're going to trade for something at the deadline... You either have to think you're going to the postseason this year, which would probably be foolish to think at the moment, or it's somebody with multiple years on their contract 
which if that's the case, they're probably not getting traded, right? Like right, the other team's right. going to want to keep him. But if you if they did make a trade, if they gave up a pick for a player and like it's like, oh, he's he's on he's under contract for 2023 as well, then you say, oh, okay, well that all right, you have the guy for next year too. But otherwise, there's just no. They should probably keep it as is for the most part, and see if they can Roll win. It out, run yeah. it out. See if they can win, you know, four or five games here and have a shot in the at the end of the season when the schedule gets schedule gets tougher. A at the lot end of the tougher. Season. Yeah, but if they can win, whatever it is. Four, how many do you had them going? What four and one out of the bye? Yes. Do you so, want to amend that? No, no, no. no I mean, no. They're, they're only they're one and one. It. They got it's Jacksonville, Indy, uh, Indy, Denver, Denver, and Seattle. Seattle. At Seattle too. At Denver. So yeah, it's at, it's only one of those. The is only at home. one is all, the Indians. Is the only Indian. one that's home. So you you feel you feel good about that four and one coming out? <laughs> no, but I'm not going to amend it. <laughs> I mean, did you see the game the other day? They couldn't score against a team that's given up 28 points a game. I don't feel good about it right now. Are they going to beat Jacksonville? I don't feel good about Jacksonville. Uh, Do we think Jacksonville is going to be one of those games where both teams come out and are like, this is a get right game? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. they're both looking yeah. at it saying oh, we can beat both, that team. I don't oh. know if it's a gimme, but in terms of in their minds, but they both think they can win. Or is this the game where both teams are like, I I threw it to him, he stopped running. Well, here's the, here's the thing with the uh, with the Jags. They know on their schedule, Colts at home is their true gimme game. When the Colts come to Jacksonville, they win. They, they know that's a guaranteed win. This is the step below that for them. It's not quite Colts at home, but they're looking at it saying, all right, we're going to get Trevor Lawrence turned around. Travis Etienne's running for 200 yards, like whatever. We're we're going to get this figured out because we're playing the Raiders. Meanwhile, the Raiders are saying the same thing about Jacksonville. This is yeah. where it turns around. The line is kind of what it was at New Orleans right now. Raiders one and a half. So, which Man. is coming did, off that loss. Did sportsbooks really throw away this game against the Saints? They just said that's a complete anomaly. That is not oh, happening just a one-off. Again. Yeah, yeah. Just there's yeah. no chance. There's no chance they're going to be that bad again. And I don't think, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't think there's a chance they're going to be that bad again. They can't, they can't. They can't be that bad again. Like we talked about McDaniel's job security. In all seriousness, if they lose 24 to nothing to Jacksonville and don't get past midfield, oh, no. The, the, he might get fired. Or the meeting will last 15 minutes instead, <laughs> instead of, of 10, 10 with Mark Davis. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, if they, put, if they had back to back shutouts by the offense and they look like, you know, they don't get past midfield. It's not like, oh, we drove into the red zone and we fumbled it out of the back of the end zone and missed a field goal or something a couple of times. Like, if they don't get past midfield, like, would you think that's fireable? I know you don't think he would. I mean, I just don't think he would. But I'm like, not saying it wouldn't be fireable. I just don't think he would. And they're going to get past midfield. They're not. <laughs> I, this is They're going to score points. They're going to score points. They're going to look a lot better, mostly because it's impossible to look worse. It's impossible to look the same, really. Um, I don't know if they're going to win the game, though. I think I'm cheering for one of two things. That? Either one, they don't get past midfield and don't score points, or they score like 50, and you just look around and say, what the hell, guys? Yeah. Where Who was, are you? Where was half of that last weekend? You might beat the Saints. Like, I think I'm cheering for, like, I don't, close games are fun, but like, they score 22 points and it's a close game. Sure, whatever. The close game might be fun. But then we're just looking around saying... Are they good? Are they like we don't know? But if they score nothing, then it's just it's a grave dance on the grave. If they score fifty, we're like, this is the dumbest team in the league. Nobody knows what they are. 
this is phenomenal, right? It'd be fun. Okay, see, am I the only one that's... I I genuinely, when I asked Sam Gordon yesterday, 3-2-1 Cancun, I kind (laughs) of want the players to just sort of half-ass it and sort of just be like, yeah, we're done, man. Like, we don't want to keep doing this. Let's just get through the season. Who of their main players would half-ass it? Carr's not doing that. No. Crosby's not doing that. Colton Miller? I I don't feel it, like we know enough about Colton Miller, do we? Like, I feel like we get a, we've get we gotten a lot of stories, a lot of quotes and stuff from Crosby and from Carr. Do we know much about Colton Miller? Is it? No, we don't get a lot of quotes from him. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Adams would be in a situation that he's never been in. That's what I was they, thinking. They did have the bad year when um, Aaron Rodgers was hurt and he was in Green Bay. But, like... They're not hurt if if they were you know two and eight or you whatever. Mean if he keeps getting two targets in and one catch and he a game doesn't have any three yards. Yeah, I don't I don't know. He pushed a photographer, so who knows how he like, would I think the frustration may boil over yeah. to the point of oh, I I just don't want to do this. What, what was it? I'd have to. It was I'd have to find Josh Dubose stat. Um, like the last two hundred games or something that Adams played with Aaron Rodgers. He was under 40 yards three times. He's already been under 40 yards three times with yeah, Derek Carr I saw this that. year. I saw like just stat. something insane where it's yeah. like Adams had a couple of bad games over like six seasons. He's had three already with Derek yeah. Carr and this offense. I listen, we talked about a lot when he pushed the photographer. I'd be very curious to have Devontae Adams unfiltered opinion on what's happening. Hey, can we get year. him on the shop? <laughs> Because this, it, seriously, it's something he's never experienced before. And he chose the team and the quarterback he came to, right? Yeah. Like, he wanted yeah. to come to this the Raiders. This is where he wanted to be. He wanted to play with, with this quarterback. Car, and they did not get past midfield with Adams and Carr in the game yesterday or Sunday. I'd be curious to hear his actual unfiltered opinions on what's happening and his thoughts on coming here. I don't All think right. we're going to hear that. I don't think we are either. Um, coming up next, we'll get into Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Bischoff's Briefs. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Bischoff's Briefs. Demand to see life's manager. Bischoff's Briefs. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons. Bischoff's briefs today, taking a look at some UNLV basketball. Their season starts on Monday. We're less than a week away from UNLV starting the season. Uh, Kevin Kruger says he's narrowing down his rotation because uh, you can't really play everybody on the roster. Can't play 13 guys. Um, he uh, Luis Rodriguez. Well, other than against the life insurance company. You can, or you can try against a Canadian team and then lose to a <laughs> random Canadian team too. Uh, Luis Rodriguez transferred from Ole Miss. He said, we kind of got to learn our roles. That might've been the biggest thing talking about the closed door scrimmage. They played last week. Luis Rodriguez also said, I think practice is getting a little more intense now that people are seeing everybody is not playing the same amount of minutes. So last week may have been a reality check for some of the players that uh, understood or maybe didn't understand ahead of time and maybe understand now where they sit in the pecking order for minutes this season. 
Um, so here's what I'm going to give you in Bischoff's briefs today. My guess as to what the rotation will be uh, later in the season, because I do think Kevin Kruger is going to probably still play more guys than he's probably going to play early on 10, 11 guys, yeah. especially because what do they start with Southern Utah, right? They're going to, they're non-conference schedule. Do they play? Isn't it Southern Utah? Maybe I'm forgetting Southern. 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 That's right. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm adding a state to <laughs> Southern. My bad. Um, but I, I assume they're going to, when and they're going to play, you know, 10 guys, it'll be a fairly big rotation. But once we get later into the year, it'll be cut down be quite eight. a bit. So here's here's my guess. I not necessarily to start, but these are the guys that I think are the important, most important players for the team. I think Keyshawn Gilbert is going to be one of the most important players for this team. If they're going to make any sort of run to a Mountain West title, run to an NCAA tournament, hell, even the NIT. I think Keyshawn Gilbert has to be really good for them. I have to think we have to be talking about him as, uh, you know, second or third team all Mountain West and what the second best player on this team or something like that. I think uh, EJ Harkless is should be their leading scorer most likely. He's going to probably be their best defender and might take the most shots on the team. Obviously, he's going to be important, right? We've talked a lot about him. His efficiency wasn't great in his previous four years, uh, but he did score ten points per game at Oklahoma you're kind of hoping the efficiency picks up and he's, you know, is scoring 13, 14 a game. He's going to be super important on both ends of the floor. I think Jackie Johnson might end up being one of the most important players on this team as well. He has a chance to be their leading scorer. Um, defensively, there's going to be question marks as to how good he is. And, you know, are you good enough defensively to be on the floor? That type of question. But I do think there's going to be offensive struggles this year. And I think he's going to be the answer to a lot of those. Um, as just a, he, he probably fits better as an off the bench guy. Hey, we suck offensively. Go take some shots, right? That might be the simplistic role for him, but I think he's going to be super important to this team. I think Luis Rodriguez is going to be like a power forward defensive player, right? That maybe scores some for him. I think he's going to be very important defensively. David Mawaka, I think is going to be extremely important as a rim protector and a center. If they can develop him a little bit offensively, he's going to be very important and play a lot of minutes. Then you get to sort of the second group of guys that I'm curious to see. I think UNLV, if they're in the NCAA tournament, Jordan McCabe is not playing for them or is playing very limited minutes for them. Because like I said with Keyshawn Gilbert, I think he needs to be one of the best players on the team. And if Keyshawn Gilbert's one of the best players on the team, he's doing it as the point guard. And Jordan McCabe doesn't really serve a function or a good purpose if he's not the point guard of the team. I think McCabe will have a role if Keyshawn Gilbert struggles. And McCabe will have a role if Gilbert gets in foul trouble, which will probably happen quite a bit because he's a very aggressive player. But I, I think this team's at their best if Jordan McCabe is not actually playing a whole lot, right? I think he he gives you some value as a but veteran point guard pre, uh, presence. If things go well, I don't think he's in the top eight. Really? If things go well for UNLV, I don't think Jordan McCabe's in the top eight, but I think he will be because I don't think things are going to go that well for UNLV. Uh, uh, Elijah Parquet, I think he'll be important. He's sort of the opposite of Jackie Johnson. He is a uh, guard that'll be in there to play defense and probably not give you very much offensively. If you could make Jackie Johnson, Elijah Parquet, one player, guys all Mountain West first team. So I think he'll be important. I'm curious what they do with Justin Webster. He was an important player down the stretch last year for UNLV. 
He's conceivably uh, one of the better shooters on this team, which might buy him a role onto this team. And he's not like a negative defensively. So he might have a role depending on how good the other guys are. And then Isaiah Cottrell, he is injured. Local kid hurt. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you're going to see him. You're definitely not gonna see him playing big minutes to start. He is potentially a center that can shoot threes. Potentially. He didn't shoot it well at West Virginia last year, but he has a good shot. There's a chance there that he's a 35% three point shooter plays center. That would be extremely valuable to UNLV if they can get that. So what that means is Victor Iwako. I think he's going to play in the rotation to start the year. I think like Jordan McCabe, they're better off if he's not there. If David Milwaukee and Isaiah Cottrell sort of take control of the center position, it's better off for UNLV. Uh, Shane Noel, the transfer from Arizona, I don't expect him to play a big role. Carl Jones, I don't think anybody expects him. He's the Juco transfer that plays center. He's really there if they run into injury problems in the front court. And then Keyshawn Hall's the freshman who the potential is really high on him, but I don't think it's going to be there this year. I don't think you're talking about Keyshawn Hill or Keyshawn Hall making a big difference on this team. So to summarize really quick, what I think the top eight on this team is if they're good, Keyshawn Gilbert, Jackie Johnson, EJ Harkless, Luis Rodriguez, David Mawaka, Elijah Parquet, Justin Webster, Isaiah Cottrell. I think that is best case scenario. Those are your top eight. Iwako and McCabe exist and they certainly have a shot to push for minutes. They're going to play early, I would expect. But if things go well, I think Iwako and McCabe are sort of on the fringes of the rotation and only playing due to foul trouble, due to injury, stuff like that. So that's where I think this rotation is at. at the, or not at the moment, where I think the rotation will be at when we get later in so the year. So who can make the biggest jump was they play this non-conference season, not of your 8 and 10. Uh, who can make the biggest jump if they play really well? Um I'm curious to see what Kruger does with McCabe and Gilbert and the point guard position, because if he starts McCabe, the answer to that's Gilbert, right? If, if Jordan McCabe's your starting point guard in game one, then Keyshawn Gilbert can make the biggest jump because he can become your starting point guard. He can become the guy that, you know, handles the ball and gets you into your offense. If Gilbert starts, then obviously he's already made that jump. Um, I'm curious what Justin Webster does. I'm curious if Jackie Johnson gets enough minutes or if that's a bench player that plays 18 minutes a game and shoots a lot. Um, Isaiah Cottrell, maybe halfway through the year might be that guy, but, um, I think it's Gilbert's the the big one you're counting on. And then EJ Harkless has to be good. good. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's bad season's probably over. <laughs> like if EJ Harkless is a, oh, he scores 14 a game, but he's shooting 29% from three and 41% from two. You're probably not any good because that's just not good enough from who should be your best player. Um, but yeah, there's what I think the rotation is. Those are a lot of predictions for a team. I've seen practice a few times. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking your shot. <laughs> trying one. Yeah. You're trying one from half. Court. I haven't even been at all the practice. All the practices are open to the media. I haven't even trying been to one. all of them. But there's my there's my predictions on what their rotation looks like. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hockey Guy. I'm out. Hello, Ryan. How are hey, you? Hey, Ryan. I good. How you guys doing? We're I good. was uh, I was trick or treating. Really, really awesome. There was a, a haunted house that uh, that was there on the corner. Uh, we we go into town, um, hang out with uh, with uh, the in laws and all that. And uh, nice haunted house. 
my son was scared um, because I accidentally <laughs> stepped on an air pad and, it, it, you know, all that fun stuff. But uh, I actually got to go through it twice uh, the, the second time with, with my son, a little less freaked out and uh, without jump scares. So uh, good, nice. good fun to be had all the way around. Nice. Uh, can you tell us what your kids dressed up as? Yeah, uh, so Charlotte was the Phantom of the Opera, and yeah. Scott was a stormtrooper. So nice. You know, did he have a, Did he have like a helmet and everything that he wore the whole time? I mean, he had like the mask that comes with the gotcha. uh, with the costume. I'm not I'm not going to buy him a stormtrooper I'm... mask. Come on, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. You people have kids and say they're all great and everything. Why wouldn't you buy him the whole mask? Well, all I'm saying is, like, if he's six years old. I'm not going to buy him a stormtrooper mask now when he stops growing, maybe, but not right now. All right. Um... I'll just give you the generic because there's a lot of ways this could go. What do you think happens with the goaltenders on this roster when Laurent Brossois is done with his conditioning stint? Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, That's a really, really good question. Like right now, the Golden Knights are getting solid goaltending from Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. They both have been very, very good to start the year for the Golden Knights. Uh, You can make the argument that that's a product of the system in front of them, which I think is a really good argument to make. But the fact of the matter is those two guys are making the saves they're supposed to make, and that's all you can ask for from your goaltenders. So with Loren Brossois kind of finding himself back in the mix, what I think, you know, there's there's two, I, I feel like, really likely scenarios that can happen. Number one, Logan Thompson can be sent down to the AHL. He's waiver exempt. You don't have to risk losing a player to do so, and it could just be a paper transaction to get Loren Brossois a couple of games. I don't know that that's the direction I'd like to see it go. The other direction is I don't think you waive one of Aiden Hill or Loren Brossois unless you don't unless you see something in the in the conditioning state that you don't like particularly. Um, I think the more likely scenario is you've got three guys that are kind of you know on the fringe when it comes to the lineup. You've got Paul Cotter, you've got Jake Lecision, you've got Ben Hutton. Could you waive one of those players and carry three goaltenders? Yes, you can. Do I think that that's the most likely scenario until you figure out exactly what, you know, what Loren Brossois is coming off of his injury. I feel like that's maybe the more likely scenario in this case. How long would they, if they did uh, keep three, how long would they do it? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like you probably do it to, uh, to get at least three games for Brossois. And that, that would be kind of a number I'd, I'd look at three to four, maybe four, you know, four to five, I guess, would be kind of stretching it a bit because you, you're then on a three goaltender rotation. You don't want guys to get cold. Like, I don't know. It's not an ideal scenario, but I think for Bruce Cassidy, like, you want data points. You want to see Loren Brossois behind what this Golden Knights defense is able to do so you can figure out who your best two goaltenders are. And right now, it's not an easy scenario, but I do think finding a way to keep all three on the roster without having to paper transaction Logan Thompson down to the AHL is the best way to go about doing it. So I'm curious on the idea of the product of the system statement and how good this team has been defensively and the idea that the goaltenders, while they've been good, it's not a hundred percent on them. If the front office and Bruce Cassidy believes that, um, doesn't that make Logan Thompson essentially expendable in this situation where, hey, it's it's a product of the system. We can put Aiden Hill or Laurent Brossois in there, and they'll give us the same exact production, so we'll just waive the guy that's waiver-exempt. Yeah, I mean, I, there's an argument to be made there for sure, but I think it, beyond just 
is this a product of the system, is Logan Thompson your next guy, right? Like, I think that there's a, a strong case to be made that, that the Golden Knights, beyond this season, are going to be Logan Thompson's team. Like, I think the writing's on the wall that this is going to be the next starting goaltender for a while here in Vegas. So I don't know that you want to, like, rock the boat in terms of, well, you know what? Even if it's just a product of the system, even if we can put any goaltender out there, meaning Aiden Hill or Laurent Brossois, and get marginally or reasonably the same results, then I think you do that. I think it goes beyond just this season. I think it's doing right by Logan Thompson in this scenario. And for that reason alone, I don't think that you go that direction. I think that you believe Logan Thompson has the ability to win you games when you're not playing particularly well. And I think that that has, has more merit this year than any other. Is the one play the other night why you trade for Jack Eichel? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the puck's on his stick for 12 seconds, right? Like, there, it's not easy to do that in the NHL. Now, granted, like, Mark Shifley was on the ice. He doesn't play defense. He's tired anyway. But, like, <laughs> the fact that Jack was able to circle the wagon twice, make a power move, and beat Connor Hellebuck when nothing was beating Connor Hellebuck, that's the superstar-level performance you can expect from Jack Eichel. The only thing you want to see now is him do that more consistently every single game, every single night. Those are the types of plays he's capable of. You want to see him on display there. So far this year, the only two losses they have are to Calgary and Colorado. They have beaten every other team. They've beaten every team that's basically a bad team or an average, a playoff fringe team or whatever. And like by expected goals and Corsi, they've been good in all of those games as well. Obviously, they're not going to win every single game they play against a bad team. But is there anything about Bruce Cassidy that means this team is just going to beat bad and average teams like every single time they play them? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's a product of his system, right? Like the Golden Knights have enough elite offensive talent to be able to score some goals. And when you're scoring goals and, and likely when you're scoring goals first, as the Golden Knights have done, so often this year, you play a strong, suffocating defensive style. You're content to play your zone defense and keep everything to the outside, not give up the middle of the ice. You allow your goaltenders to see shots, and you're not beating yourselves. I think that that's where Bruce Cassidy's system really shines. So against teams that don't have the, the comparable offensive skills of the Golden Knights, if they fall behind and the Golden Knights are locked in and buttoned up defensively, it's really hard to score on this team, and it's, it's historically been so with Bruce Cassidy. So as long as the Golden Knights are playing to their system and their identity, they're going to be hard to beat on most nights. That's bad teams, that's bubble teams, and that's even good teams because you know for the Golden Knights, even against Calgary, even against Colorado, they were right there in those games. Are you good right now with the lines in terms of the Misfits being back together, the top lines playing really well, but also more specifically the third and fourth? Yeah, I mean, for right now, I think the the third, you know, the third line is is an interesting and intriguing line for me. Like Nick Waz looked good, Phil Kessel's been good, uh, Brett Howden had a couple of really good chances against Winnipeg. So, like, I'm curious to see now going on the road when you're not able to get that line out in, in, in you know more advantageous spots, how they how they're able to do defensively. That's going to be a big key over the next five games. And then your fourth line right now is kind of a bit of, of a mismatch when you when it, you take into account that, you know, Keegan Colasar hadn't played the last couple of games. You've got Jake LeCision down the middle there. So uh, I am curious to see how the bottom six holds up for the Golden Knights now going on the road because that's going to be the, the biggest challenge. 
Not that Bruce Cassidy is going to hard match all the time, but you are going to look for pockets within the game where you can get your third line favorable matchups. If you don't have that now on the road, are they able to continue to produce the way that they have been? Are the Capitals a bad or average team? Um, I'm not super high on the uh, on the Washington Capitals. They're they're pretty banged up. No Nick, no Nick Backstrom. I think uh, T.J. Oshie is is injured now too. Alex Ovechkin uh, is is chasing down Wayne Gretzky, but I think that's kind of the only thing that the Capitals are really playing for. I don't view them as legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. I don't think they're all that good. Darcy Kemper's fine in net, but he's not really going to be the, the main difference maker. I don't think the Capitals make the playoffs. I think they're kind of a bubble fringe team at best. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't view them as, as the Capitals of old, if that's what you're asking. So the Golden Knights score first, game's over, they win. I mean, it feels that way, right? Like, it feels like when this team gets a lead, as long as they're able to kind of keep everything to the outside, and if they've got a two or three goal lead, it's, it's fairly automatic. That's that's what I think this Golden Knights team identity is. You score first, you lock things down, it's going to be really hard to beat this team over a 60-minute effort. Sabres might be the best team on the trip. Yeah, you, you're not wrong. Um, I, I mean, I would I would quibble a little bit and say Ottawa maybe, but oh, like Ottawa's boy. missing their number one center, so that doesn't help them uh, by any stretch. And they, they also don't have Cam Talbot, their number one goalie. So uh, the Buffalo Sabres are going to be fired up for the game. You, you know that, right? Like this is a team that's going to have a burr in the saddle every single time they play Jack Eichel. So uh, toughest test of the of the the road trip is going to be that final game against buffalo where you know you're tired you're you're coming off of 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 four other games on the road a lot of travel but you're going to have to find a way to 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 get your best effort because i think a win for jack in buffalo would do uh some some good for this golden Knights team did jonathan marshall have to sneak out of the locker room to watch his son play on the ice during intermission i'm sure he got permission Ah, i like him sneaking out better (laughs) well i mean like it's it's a good narrative, but I, I don't think I don't think anyone just sneaks out of. Oh no, Bruce, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. I don't I don't need to be here. Yeah, just on, just ridiculous. wrap it up, Bruce. We got it. We we played well. <laughs> we didn't score. It's fine. I need to go watch my son play. He could probably score for us, like because we didn't do it in the first period. All right, he's Ryan Wallace. Uh, you can hear him on the V. Well, what are you doing for the VGK Insider Day? It's a four o'clock show. No show, just pregame. That is that is how it works, Tyler. We do the pregame show before the game at 4, and there's no VGK Insider. All right, so tune in. 4 o'clock start over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan, as always, we appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, so there is Ryan Wallace. Um, Ed, what's the uh, most expensive Halloween costume you had to buy your kids growing up? <sighs> Were any of them expensive? No, no. Were we you guys got... taking bed sheets and cutting them up? No, no, no. Costume? We got, like, the Amazon... You know, we got we went and bought them costumes, okay. but we didn't spend a fortune on them. Okay, just a little bit. Were, were your were your kids ever like adamant to be a certain thing, or did you kind of have? Did you kind of be like, no, no, you're going to be this? Instead? No, if we asked them what they wanted to be, and if it was uh, age appropriate. Uh, hey, what were they requesting that wasn't <laughs> age appropriate? <laughs> it was, it was a pro, if it's an appropriate costume, they always got what they wanted. We, we let them be what they wanted. <laughs> His son wanted to be a sexy hypodermic needle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got tickets to give away to go see The Who. The Who Hits Back Tour at Dolby Live at Park MGM this weekend. We got two tickets for Saturday's show. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That is 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number eight 
at 702-364-1100. You'll win two tickets to go see The Who at Park MGM. That's my fault for just hopping over him. Uh, I should have, you know, tackled him. But, I, mean, I, haven't, I, don't, I can't tell you the last time I made a tackle, so just got to be aware in that situation. Just, you know, tag him and make sure he's down. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Eli and Fred or Greg? Greg. Greg. Jesus. Fred. <laughs> Made Fred up on the spot. All right. Here's a uh, fun complaint for you, Ed. Tonight's World Series game, the home plate umpire is going to be Dan Isonia. There are 96 home plate umpires this year in Major League Baseball. Dan Isonia ranked 81st in accuracy. How does he get in? How does he qualify? <laughs> I always wonder how they pick him. Do, do, does Major League Baseball not follow the scorecards? I don't know. I mean, they have their own. This is from Ump Scorecards, which is a third-party thing. They have their own, but 81st in home in uh, ball strike accuracy this year. Well, he can't be that much better on their own evaluations, <laughs> right? I mean, they're not that much different. So here, here's the umpiring assignments and where they ranked. Game one was James Hoy. He was 60th in accuracy. Game two was Pat Hoberg. He was first in accuracy. Perfect. So they got the Perfect. best guy. Game three is Isonia, who's 81st. Game four is Trip Gibson, who's fifth this year in accuracy. Okay. Game five, Jordan Baker, 26th in accuracy. Game six, Lance Barksdale, 19th. And game seven, Alan Porter, 22nd. Okay, so you got a couple stiffs. So mostly good, mostly right. top, you know, 25%, 20, 25% of, the of the league. But game one was umpired by the 60th best umpire, and game three tonight by the 81st best home plate umpire. Boy, this guy tonight, what a disaster. <laughs> you might be in trouble. Who are you throwing, McCullers? Yeah, Lance McCullers. I'd have to, I have to look up where his zone, where he benefits pitchers or not. Jeez. 81st out of, like, not even, not even top half. Not even top half. No, no. Bottom 15 on the year in home plate umpire. How does that happen? Plate. How does that happen? I Listen, I said it. Yesterday, Pat Hoberg, why can't he ump every game? He was perfect. Or every other game in the World Series? He why the, can't you take the first and the fifth guy? Yeah, and just have them alternate. They for have the them entire, alternate the whole the whole series. I don't know. They get tired. I don't know. They need they got two days. Tired. Off. Now with rainouts and travel days, no nobody <laughs> should be tired, including the umpires. It's just it's one of the most at this point unbelievable things that we still do in sports where we have the technology to call balls and strikes in mm-hmm. real time, and yet we still let umpires do it with their eyes. You got something better, Jared? We have a grown, We have two elderly men run out with sticks while a third one measures a chain. That does happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the fourth rough. one just sort of set the ball somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly. pretty rough. Somewhere. And you know what's exactly. best about football is the... Popular saying, it's a game of inches. Yeah. yeah. Decided of, by the referees. Decided who don't by the know referees the who put the ball down. <laughs> How many times have you been watching it and you're watching directly where the guy went down and the ref grabs yeah. it and walks a full foot back? Yeah, exactly. And, All right, hold on, hold on. We got breaking news. Steve Nash has been fired. Oh. Really? So they went with they Kyrie. Won. They oh. won last night, too. Steve Nash has been let go. Yeah, Adrian Wojnarowski. So the like Nets he, have fired Steve Nash. So as Jared said, they picked Kyrie over Steve Nash. But it wasn't like a straight up bat. It's not like he came on and said, we got to get rid of Kyrie. He was like kind of defending, not truly defending him, but he was like saying, ah, we, we're not bothered by it. So he didn't even really stake himself against Kyrie in this situation. No, I think we said earlier, though, what did you say that 
I think I said it was more Kyrie, but you said there was two different things as to what the quote really meant. Oh, yeah, his quote about we've been dealing with we've this type of stuff for two and a half years. years. That wasn't spe- that wasn't only about Kyrie. He had the pandemic right. and other things that he could have been referring to. All right, I, Adrian Wojnarowski followed up with this tweet. The decision was mutual between the Nets and Steve Nash. Do you believe that? So Nash just wanted out and he wanted no more of the nonsense? Well, we hear the whole mutual thing a lot. But I, I, I don't know. In this instance, I was going to say, be, I could, be. I could understand I could if you were Steve, Steve Nash, Nash and say, to get the hell out of there. I can't deal with this anymore. Right. What a disaster! Oh my God, we Jared I can made the point. See that being mutual? I could too. Yeah, I, Jared made the point earlier about the Clippers. Like we might look back and say that's a team that should have won a title with the with the roster they but compiled, without Kawhi. but just Kawhi Leonard didn't get healthy the entire time. Right. Whatever. The Nets built a big three that everyone in basketball, in the media, in the NBA was like, Oh, they're, they're going to win. Like this is going to be an unbelievable team. And Harden's already gone. And now the coach is fired left on his own, something in between there, like five games into the season. It's a disaster. So obviously some assistance taken over. Kevin Durant wanted to leave. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Kevin yeah. Durant wanted to leave, and he, he wanted, wanted this drink. guy fired too. He got his wish. He got Steve Nash fired. <laughs> Didn't get the GM though. <laughs> Listen. Wow. David Roth, I think, made the best point that I think I've heard about Joseph Sy, the owner of the Nets. You own a basketball team. Bill Foley's a great example of this. You own a sports team because it's fun. Yep. Right. If Bill Foley simply wanted to make more money, he would have. Put his money somewhere Made else. More investments. Right? I mean, he would have wine and restaurants and everything else. Right. Oh no! What you do is you buy you buy houses and apartments and then just jack up the rent because <laughs> people right. will. It's either hey, you pay me, or you're homeless. So the okay. So you buy the sports team because you want it to be fun. None of this can be fun for Joseph Sy, the owner of the Nets. Is is anything he's done with the Nets no. been fun to him? And Firing your coach is not fun. You can very easily increase the amount of fun you're going to have or decrease the amount of bad things you have to do if Kyrie Irving's not on that team anymore. Like, if, and also, if they waived Kyrie Irving today, they have to do a press conference about it and then it's over. When they're done. Yeah, they don't have to answer another question about it again. I guess, well, Kyrie Irving will probably tweet something about it and then maybe you got to answer to that. But, that's it. Oh my god. Done. Isn't the owner of the Nets like isn't he Jewish? If he if they get rid of Kyrie, that firestorm is going to be epic. Is he Jewish? I don't actually know if he is or not. But I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I it's I'm on it. And and genuine question to you. Are the Nets winning the NBA championship this year? The Nets? Yeah. No. So if you wave Kyrie Irving your team's going to accomplish the same thing it was going to accomplish then if, it, then if they if you don't like this the idea that like the idea Not that we're Jewish. holding on to um the nets cuz cuz the argument for keeping Kyrie Irving from a basketball Well, you have a chance to win it all. Right, is you think, "Oh, yeah, we could yeah, win, win it all." Good. But they're not doing that. No. Right? I mean, I guess they could turn it around and Kevin Durant to could that be level? the best player in the league, but they got swept out of the playoffs last year. Like, they didn't win a postseason game. So I just, if I'm this Joseph Syed. This is one of the times, though, I bet Nash said, you know what? It's probably better this way. 
Yeah. I, so he just doesn't have to deal with all the nonsense. He's going to go right cover anymore. soccer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be like a player coach. Should, he should go coach soccer somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But I, I actually, I agree with you. It's it's probably it's one of the few times where you hear mutual this decision. This early in a season with all this nonsense. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I can totally see Steve Nash deciding, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I want to sleep at night. Yes.